Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Aeneas Hawkins joins us. Sir, how are you? I'm doing well, man. It's a it's a big weekend approaching very quickly. Um, I'm excited, you know. Well, let's start last weekend. I mean, you need to respond when you get into something like that. It's the whiteout game. When you ran out of that tunnel when you played and saw it, what was your first time? Do you, know, you remember that first time? I remember it very well. So I actually did not get to experience the whiteout as a recruit. Um, right. So doing it for the first time was crazy. And I just just to kind of frame this a little bit, I've been to AFC championships. I've been to Super Bowls. Yes. I've been to all the biggest stages of football there are. There is not an environment like the whiteout. That's not that's not hype. That's real. I remember the first time I ran out getting chills and getting teary-eyed running out that tunnel because the moment seemed so big. The ground was shaking and the game hadn't started yet. It was unbelievable. <laughs> I was I was on a show earlier this week and they asked me about the whiteout and you know just about the quick history of it. And I was talking about there were times where the press box would shake. And Jack Ham looked over at me and he said uh, we okay up here? And I said, geez, Jack, I'm an announcer, not an engineer, no clue. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I said this, I'm guessing with you, Mr. Ham. <laughs> okay, not in my lane. I, 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 I can't do this. The response, though, on Saturday night, what did you think of it? Uh, I mean, I think it, it gives it gives the team a lot of hope just because, you know, I, I was on the team for the last few years, um, have been a, t- a part of tough losses before, and teams in the past couple of years that I was a part of did not respond uh, after taking that first loss. Um, so to see them kind of bounce back in a big way, to see the offense put up a bunch of points, um, to see Sean Clifford in his last wideout uh, after a slow start in the first quarter light it up, I mean, those are all positive signs of a football team that believes that they're a good football team. And to be honest, at this phase of the season, that is the most important aspect. Uh, let's get to the balance part of it. I mean, sometimes, and this has been the pattern usually over the years, whether it's high school, college, or pro, where the run sets up the pass. We now are in an era where it can go either way. And I felt like when they got the tight ends involved, it then set up the run. What did you think? Well, I saw in the last couple of weeks was teams starting to load the box up uh, to really focus on stopping the run. And then once we were able this weekend to get guys like Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren involved, the threat of Brenton Strange, it really creates an opportunity where the defense can't go as heavy in the box. And it opens up opportunities for guys like Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, Kevon Lee when he's healthy, to, to really make some big plays happen. And that's the importance of balance. You want to give a defense as much to prepare for as possible. We saw what Michigan's ground attack did the week before. How impressed were you by the response, especially of the front seven, to the Minnesota ground attack, which is so important to them? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was I was impressed. Um, Michigan's a team that can run the ball as as well as anybody in the country. Um, but really, to me, I was checking to see what the mentality would be like with the front seven. I know that that's a group of guys who, you know, are not going to get knocked down and then stay down. Uh, so I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you. Um, but again, I think it's an important step to take before Ohio State comes to town because. No, they're a group that everybody wants to talk about the receivers, and they're talented themselves, but they can run the ball too. Yeah. Uh, So they're going to need that front seven to play big for sure. No, I mean, you look at what they have. I mean, Henderson, Williams is really good. The Hayden kid who comes off the bench, 
Yeah, they don't play him that often, but he's pretty good as well. Yep. And that you know, and that's what makes Stroud so dangerous because Stroud is dangerous in his own right, but when you have a running game, he becomes even more so. Yeah. So, uh, what did you think of Curtis Jacobs the way he played on Saturday? Oh uh, man, Curtis Jacobs. It's it's fun to watch him blossom into the player that the guys around him know that he can be. He's an athletic freak. Um, he's physical. <laughs> so to see what he was doing, I mean, the one play where he slammed, I want to say it was the running back um, who. Let's give him some credit. He's a good ball player himself, and he was really putting that team on his back. Um, But to see Curtis Jacobs just manhandle him and fly around, it's it's exciting. And to see him now in what is, what, year three, year four form, really starting to mature um, and playing his best football. When you get to this particular week and you start watching – Film of an opposing team, and when you know what the you know, and you know what the reputation of Ohio State is, as you would sit there as a player and you would watch video of what they can do. Mm-hmm. What always ran through your mind watching it? Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't take uh, a football genius to watch Ohio State on film and see how talented they are at every position. Um, but as a player. You're always looking for areas in which you can exploit right. uh, who you're playing against. I, I told people, I've been telling people all week, you know, there is no fear as a college oh. football player. None of those guys in that locker room. You know what? Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel that Ohio State, nine times out of ten, comes out of the locker room with a 10 to 14 nothing lead because of who they are. Yep. Because the other team is yep. looking at them for who they are. Except when they play yeah. Penn State into a point now Michigan. Yep, they are. They don't. They don't get that ten to fourteen points with Penn State. Zero. No, they no. don't. No, there's no fear, and those guys play harder. Actually, I'd say they really step up in those moments. And to be honest, you know the mistakes I do see when playing a team like Ohio State are from guys playing too hard and maybe getting out the framework of what their responsibilities right. are. Um, but you know, as far as the mindset, those guys are going to be ready to play. Uh, as a defensive player, you know that when you're playing a talented group, then you have to do your job at a high, high level. You cannot afford to get out of position, to jump out of gaps, and to play your own game because they're talented enough to go score. No, no question. Uh, and I've, you know, people have asked me what's been the difference between the two teams. When they play, I said, usually it's one play each half. Very small. Very small margin. I remember the 2018 game. Yeah. That was a game that we had won. That was my first wideout, actually. Um, yeah. Then that last drive, a couple guys on a couple plays made some mistakes that were uncharacteristic, and it cost the game. And I think, you know, as a fan, sometimes it can be hard to really recognize how small those margins are. Uh, and it comes down to one play, and you don't know when that play is going to be. And that's something that Coach Franklin is constantly preaching to the guys in this room. Right. You don't know if it's play three or play 73. No doubt. Uh, and you go back to last year's game out there. Uh, obviously, Michigan beat them, uh, but Penn State played them except for the, the fumble by Cage that he ran back. Yep. That's the play. It's funny because you don't know when the play is going to happen, but when you see the play, you know it. You, you know, know it it's immediately. the play. You know it's the play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and last year is a perfect example of that, right? That sack fumble for six. Those are mistakes you can't make against elite football teams. No, you can't. Uh, when you watch Stroud play, what do you think of him? Man, he's uh, he's poised. He's poised. I think he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Um, and I, the thing I'm most impressed about with him is just how he remains calm under pressure. Now, I'm interested to see. You know, to be honest, I look at who they've played so far and where they've had to play them, and I don't think they've had a test like this. Where they've had to play them? They haven't gone anywhere. They've gone nowhere. They've, they've played at Mich- yeah, It's interesting. They've played at Michigan State, mm-hmm. which is a very good atmosphere. 
Then let's not take anything with it. No but doubt. it's not this. No doubt. Number two, people forget they haven't played here in front of a crowd in four it's years. It's been a while. <laughs> CJ Stroud has never come into Beaver Stadium. None of them have. None of them. And they have no idea what to expect. And to be honest, Ryan Day himself is new at it in some ways, especially as a head coach. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle the environment. Right. I mean, it's I mean, they have not played in front of a crowd in Beaver Stadium in four years because of the circumstances. Just because I've been pointing out that Michigan hasn't gone to Ohio State in four years because remember they shut it down after yep. the Penn State game in 2020, so they never went to Columbus. Correct. Uh, there's just some interesting facts about that. When you have talked to offensive players on Penn State's team, and they have to play in road environments, how tough has it been? For example, the tackles maybe even the H-backs, yeah. to hear on the road yeah. and what their perspective is. Yeah, so it's it's funny. Um, I remember when we went to Ohio State in 2019, Yeah. Um, and I remember you know, we were down big at one point, then we kind of put ourselves in a position to win, uh, and then that stadium got rocking. It yeah. got loud. As soon as they got threatened. Yeah. yeah, as soon as they got threatened. So you talk about tackles and H-backs. I remember my buddy Will Fries having to block Chase Young and then talking to him after the game and realizing he couldn't even hear the snap count. It was getting so loud, and you had to adjust off of that. So it makes it tough when you're trying to make checks and you're trying to get audibles in. You know, you don't know what a defense is going to come out and show you, and you got to make checks 50, 60, 70% of the time. Um, so it makes it tough, especially on the offense. The defense, you know, it really doesn't get like that. Um, but no. that offense has to deal with it, especially. Right. No, ex- ex- now, Michigan, of course, had, uh, when they were on offense, it's like here. It's like church. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. right. It's very quiet. You hear a pen drop. Right? But then when a play is made, right, the crowd, of course, gets crazy. Joey Porter Jr. told me the first mm-hmm. play of the game, Michigan, I asked Joey about it. He said, he said Steve, I never heard the whistle. Yep. He said, I, I said, I couldn't hear it. I never heard it. Yep. So for all you people trying to assume, oh, he tried, no, no, no. He flat out. And he told me, he says, honest to goodness, I, said, I didn't hear it. Can't hear any of it. Can't hear it. And real quick, not to change the topic on you, but the well, matchup I am excited to watch is Joey Porter Jr. against Marvin Harrison Jr. Because both of those guys could very well be at the top of the board in this draft class coming up. It's going to be electric to watch, and I can't wait to see it. Harrison, I'm, I'm watching him in the Rose Bowl last year down in Tampa. Because that game was on after, and our, our flight was going to be late leaving, so I was sitting at a bar, <laughs> <laughs> drinking iced tea. Iced tea. <laughs> you know, I'm not. You know, that's that right. actually is what I was drinking. Uh-huh. And I'm watching, but that son of a gun's pretty good. It's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> and, and Jackson Smith and Jigba's getting three forty-seven, <laughs> no right? But Harrison, he caught three touchdown yep. passes. He's got ten this year. Yeah, he's a ball player. And my dad, uh, my dad was an NFL cornerback in the early two thousands, late nineties. And I remember on the weeks he had to play Marvin Harrison Jr.'s daddy. Everybody in the house knew it because he was locked in. Um, yeah. And his son is is very similar for sure. Yeah, um, and Marvin's quarterback. Was pretty good too. Decent ball player. Yeah, decent. And his brother was here Saturday. So. Uh, was he? Yeah. Was he? Well, yeah. Chad. Yeah, Chad. Chad made it in town. There you go. Chad made it to town. <laughs> there you go. He did. Well, you know, <laughs> Doug Sig. Uh, before you, Doug was um, out of Belfont, and uh, you know, Doug Phil Sig. I mean, Phil Sig taught trees and you know, the whole thing. Yep. All right. Well, Doug Sig uh, was, in fact, Doug wore number fourteen here. 
but he was a quarterback here at Penn State, scholarship quarterback. He lives next to Eli. Oh, really? Right. That's how this whole connection <laughs> thing is started. That's how it's. See, I never knew the origin. It didn't make yeah. sense to me. Now it makes yeah. sense. Because uh, Eli lives in Jersey. Doug is in investments and so forth, and he's living in Jersey. Okay. And I guess they're next door neighbors. Wow. Small world, man. It is a small world. You never world. know. It's a small world. Well, and, you know, and getting smaller by the minute. <laughs> Every minute, no doubt. Keys to the game on Saturday, your opinion. Yeah, man. Uh, Got to limit the explosive plays mm-hmm. out of that Ohio State offense as much as possible. They're going to they're gonna get their shots in. Um, but if you can eliminate those as much as possible, I think it makes the game a lot easier. Uh, I do think Penn State's front seven is better equipped to go handle Ohio State's run after dealing with Michigan. Um, and then offensively, you know, it's going to be critically important that Sean Clifford plays his best game because if mm-hmm. he plays his best game, then opportunities to run the football are going to be there. Penn State is going to need to play a complete game. They're going to need to do everything well if they want to go win. I don't think it needs to be perfect, um, but it's going to take everybody's best effort for sure. And part of that complete game is start each half well. No doubt. Ohio State is very good at getting out of the gate. No doubt. In each half. Very good at getting out of the gate in each half. 100%. I will I will take that one step further, and I will say to dominate the middle eight, which Coach Franklin talks about yep. all the time, the end mm-hmm. of the first and the beginning yep. of the second can swing games so drastically, and Penn State's going to have to do all those things to win. No question. My friend, thanks so much. Great to have you here and your perspective. Thank you for having me, brother.